G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you dream? I once heard that no one can go seven days without dreaming. What about dreaming with your eyes open? I mean by that, do you have a vision about the future that excites you? A dream gives you passion for life. Christopher Columbus dreamed a dream and discovered a continent. But then it's one thing to have a dream, but another thing to have a sense of destiny. The dictionary says that a destiny is a predetermined course of events. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. When your dream is from God, it is more than a dream, it is a destiny. Some people think we are here to make history. I believe we are here to fulfill prophecy. We are the people the scriptures have spoken about for thousands of years. Like Esther, we have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It is destiny that gives our lives significance. Jesus showed us that we could be significant without having to be prominent. It's not what you do that's important, but how much of what you do is governed by a sense of destiny. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And welcome to the program. It's Phil here along with author and pastor Ken Legg, and we're doing a little dreaming this week, specifically Mm -hmm. About Joseph, he was certainly a dreamer. He dreamed that uh, God spoke to him about his life's purpose and he even had a gift of interpreting dreams. Are you much of a dreamer, Ken? I am, Phil, I am. Now, of course, Joseph was a dreamer, but uh, he had those incredible dreams about his father, his brothers bowing down before him, and that's when it all started going wrong for him. Maybe the lesson there is one of timing. You know, we don't need to run out and tell everyone the things that God has spoken to us about. So I'm not going to really answer your question about whether I'm a dreamer. (laughs) I don't want it all to go wrong for me. But seriously, there are times when God does speak to us about our lives. And like Mary, we just need to store those things up in our heart. You know, the Bible says that she pondered those things in her heart, just kept them to herself. And uh, at the beginning of Genesis 37, you know, he had a dream. But at the end of the chapter, he's carried off to Egypt in chains. His dream is shattered. And I like to refer to that, Phil, as what I call the birth, death, and resurrection principle. Uh, We find that all the way through scriptures. For example, you know, there's creation, you know, when when something is birthed, life is birthed. But then there's the fall, the death, if you like. It all went wrong. But then there's redemption. You know, Jesus comes in and redeems us. So there's that principle that runs all the way through. You see it, for example, in the life of Abraham. God came to him, gave him a dream, birthed a vision within him that, you know, in his seed all the nations of the earth were going to be blessed. But then it seemed to die. He didn't have any children, you know. Mm-hmm. They got past the age of childbearing. seemed like there was no hope of it being fulfilled. But then God came in miraculously, gave them that child. Look at Moses. Uh, somebody said that, you know, he spent the first 40 years of his life learning to become a someone. Okay, he's got a dream, something's birthed in his life, the deliverer. But then he kills an Egyptian, has to run off in the backside of the desert. Seems like the whole thing is dead. He's just caring for a few sheep. God's forgotten him. Life has passed by. But then there's the burning bush experience. The whole thing comes alive again. God recommissions him back into Egypt. And I think that, you know, when we look over our lives, we see something of that birth, death, and 
resurrection principle. And poor old Joseph, when he was going through that death phase, I guess, you know, his brothers had sold him into slavery. His own brothers had sold yeah. him. You know, there obviously wasn't a lot of love lost between them. Um, most of them would have killed him anyway if they'd had their own way. It was pretty tough times for him. Yeah, it was an interesting mix in that family. When you look at it, Jacob clearly doted on Joseph as his favourite, which provoked his brothers, of course, to jealousy. And then Joseph used to bring home daily reports, basically dobbing the brothers in about what they've been up to today. Yeah. So that was going on. And then he boasted to them about these dreams, you know, started bragging. And uh, yeah, all these sort of things were happening. And uh, I guess he was really from an average sort of home, you you could say, you know, uh, not much different to, to what you and I would There's always a bit of rivalry going on between the family, oh, that the sort brothers of and yeah. sisters and so on. Yeah. But of course, this was getting serious and it got to the stage where their hatred to him reached such a point that they uh, plotted to get rid of him. And uh, um, they were at this place called Dothan, okay? Now, Dothan means two cisterns. And obviously, one of them was dry because they threw Joseph into that dry well. Yeah. And um, they were going to kill him, but then one of the other brothers steps in, Judah, intervenes and uh, gets them to agree to sell him instead of killing him. At least they wouldn't have to walk around with the guilt of murdering their brother, but at least they've got rid of him. So off he goes to Egypt, and uh, it seems like his dream has gone wrong. In fact, his brother said, okay, now we'll see what will become of his dreams. Little did they know that was actually the uh, key ingredient required for the rest (laughs) of the story to play out. I guess you wonder what would have gone through Joseph's mind as he was being dragged off to Egypt because he had this dream. He doesn't have the perspective that we do in reading the entire story. Yeah, His brothers just hated him so much that they would have killed him if they'd had their way. They were glad to get rid of him forever. And, of course, he'd never see his father again. All of this must have been going through his head. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know exactly what he was thinking, but we know this, that there's no record of him after this blaming his circumstances Mm. on his past, you know, if only. There's no record of him saying that kind of thing or even thinking that way. I think as Christians it's important that we really understand that, you know, even though some bad things might have happened to us in life, we are not a product of our past, but we're a product of the cross and the resurrection. We're a new creation. Mm. And, uh, you know, Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are past and reaching forward into the future. That's what Joseph was doing, is reaching forward uh, into that dream, if you like. The second thing is there's no hint of bitterness against his brother, his brother's. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't seem to be there. He seems to have dealt with that along the way. And certainly when he catches up with his brother, brothers, uh, we know that, you know, he has dealt with it. He's moved on and... Uh, he had plenty of opportunity to return the favour, so to speak. Absolutely. But he didn't do it. That's right. But I think a, a big thing here, Phil, is that he had time to reflect upon his own life. Now, you know, there were things in his life that needed to change, um, you know, like bragging about this dream. You don't do that. He didn't do it once. He did it twice, you know. He, he had dreams and he told them twice and uh, he could see what he was doing to his brothers, stirring them up and, uh, you know, he still told them and uh, still still aggravated them. Yeah. And then there was his swagger, you know, he walked around with his big coat on, many colours and, uh, uh, you know, basically flaunted this favouritism that he had with his father and then the dobbing in of his brother. I, I, I reckon he had a lot of opportunity to reflect upon his own life and his own behaviour and work on his character, you know. I think one of the problems with ministry is that often our gift can take us to a place where only our character can keep us. So if our character hasn't caught up with our gift or our ministry, then it's not going to sustain us. We're not going to be able to stay there. Uh, Somebody once said that the worst thing that can happen to a person is to have success before they're ready for it. Yeah. The Bible doesn't say a whole lot about what uh, actually went on inside Joseph in his mind, but you certainly get the impression 
But he did grow in character, as you say, in, in leaps and bounds. Yeah, somebody said um, that the four patriarchs, they teach us a different aspect of the Christian life. Okay, so Abraham teaches us that the way that we're justified is by faith in Christ. Yep. Isaac, uh, the whole picture there is sonship. You know, he was the son. Uh, that was his position in the house. Jacob teaches us the lesson of the conflict between the flesh and the spirit, you know, that, that struggle that went on with him. But Joseph teaches us the principle of the fact that we are training for reigning. That's what is going on in our lives right now. Paul Bilheimer said, every born-again person is a king and is in training for the throne. Now, as you say, Phil, we don't see it at first, but later it does come out that there was a lot of growing going on with Joseph. He learned to trust in the sovereignty of God. You know, when he caught up with his brothers later on, he says, look, you meant this for evil, but actually God meant it for good. And, and, and I guess the lesson there is that your dream doesn't actually depend on other people, what, what they would do to you. Uh, in fact, the dream that God has birthed in our hearts cannot be ultimately overthrown by other people. It's God that brings it to pass. And you the know, perspective thing is so important. You look at Joseph not only with his brothers, but he had this up and down thing where bad stuff happened seemingly where he was innocent. And he would have had every opportunity to get bitter and twisted. Yeah. He could have said, if only, you know, if only this, if only that. But uh, Peter says about trials, you know, if need be, there's a need for it. If God is doing something, God has a purpose in it, he Mm. will allow it. Mm. And so it's not if only this didn't happen, but if need be, this will happen. uh, But it will work together for good. And that's the thing. You know, when, when Joseph was sold and when he went down into Egypt, the Bible says this, but God was with him. And that's the factor that makes all the difference. You know, God is still working through the difficult times. And in fact, he's bringing good out of those difficult times. We can't see that, but we do believe it by faith. And if God is with us, who can be against us? A helpful and fascinating look at Joseph's dreams and how they apply to us. Do join us tomorrow as we continue this conversation. And until then, remember you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.